0: I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my Thoughts on Money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, the author of the Thoughts on Money blog and the host for your Thoughts on Money podcast. Today, I am here with you in Newport Beach, and I am solo. I don't have my normal podcast partner, Sean Latimer. He is enjoying vacation and some time with his family, and he'll be back with us next week. Today, I'm going to be talking about an article called An Active Debate, and I started this article out with a fun little stroll down memory lane, and I was talking about how I ended up in the finance industry. And in the intro, I talk about this really, it's almost, I mean, when you you actually describe it, it feels like an insignificant memory, but for me, it's this really specific memory when I decided... That I wanted to study finance and I wanted to make a career in finance. And I think that you probably have those memories, too, where you go back in the back of your brain and all of a sudden you remember where you were, who you were with, what you were wearing, what you were talking about. And that memory that you've stored is something really significant to you. So I remember I was in San Clemente with my best friend, Dustin. We were we, At that time, I, I lived in a, a house with a bunch of friends. Um, I was younger. And we were walking out to head to the beach. We were going to the car. And I turned to him and I said, Hey, I think I want to study finance. And he kind of laughed and he's like, why do you want to study finance? Do you know what that is? Like net present values and all that stuff. And I said, I don't know. It just sounds interesting. And I remember giving him that answer. And at that point deciding I was going to go back to school, get a master's degree, concentrate on finance. And I was going to try to figure out a way to get into the finance industry. And I didn't give him a really fair answer because I did know why I wanted to do it. And It wasn't that I was embarrassed or anything like that. It was just uh, maybe something I didn't realize at the time because it was a pretty deep subject. I had experienced in my life uh, the negative effects of what I call financial illiteracy. I had seen people that I love have to go through bankruptcies, um, having to go through divorces, and different things that... Folks that don't have a good grasp of money have to experience and I want to really express this idea that these people I saw go through these painful times, they were smart people. They were hardworking people and they were people that wanted to do the right thing. So it wasn't uh, that they just fell upon this because of a lack of wisdom or or something that they express in their normal life, they just didn't have the financial literacy. They didn't understand lending or investing or saving, and they had never had somebody show them that or teach them that. So there was a deep discomfort in me that I didn't want that to happen to me. And I am somebody who likes to help people. So I figured, and maybe I didn't have this whole plan in my head, but if I could learn it for myself, I could teach others. And it would be, and I used to joke, I remember when I first started in the industry, that if you do this job well, you are a little bit of a financial superhero. Right? We never get to see our life played out in two different scenes like a, a, a Christmas story or if you've ever seen the, the movie Sliding Doors um, where you get to see, hey, this fork in the road, what if this would happen versus this? And you kind of juxtapose them against each other. But if you give somebody really good financial advice and you help them make good financial decisions, it can make a better life for them. Think about how much stress that finances can cause. So yeah, that's how I jumped into the industry. And that's a good intro. I remember starting at Morgan Stanley as an advisor and just having this insatiable appetite for wanting to learn everything I possibly could about finance. And I I, I had a coworker, that actually worked in the industry, and this was his second job in the industry. So I just barnacled to him. I I was at his side, and I wanted to learn anything that he knew. So what books do you read? What papers have you read? Like, give me everything you know, because I just want to know everything I can about this industry and about personal finance. So he handed me his favorite book. It's called The Little Book of Common Sense Investing, The Only Way to Guarantee Your Fair Share of Market Returns. And the author was a gentleman by the name of Jack Bogle. Uh, Mr. Bogle passed away, I believe, last year, um, and he is, if there was a Mount Rushmore of finance, his face would be on there. Uh, he has done a lot of great work for the industry, and if you've read any of his books, they're hu- he's a huge advocator for the investor. And he started a company called Vanguard, which is a gigantic financial firm uh, that most of you are probably familiar with, and some of you might have investments in their different funds. So my friend was really excited to give me this book and I devoured it. I read it like over the weekend and I remember coming back to the office and telling him, hey, he was asking me, he's like, hey, what did you think of the book? Was it good? Like it's life-changing, right? Like he was such an evangelist for for this book and what he thought it represented. And I told him, I said, yeah, it was a really good book. I liked it. I, I can see that he's a huge advocate for investors. And I could see that my answer was underwhelming for my friend because he was so confused because this book for him, had changed his whole philosophy about investing, and his personal account, what he was going to be presenting to clients everything, was revolving around what he learned from this book. And it opened this debate between him and I, which is a much larger debate in the finance industry. It's this debate of passive versus active. Maybe you've heard those terms before. Maybe you haven't. And, And let me break that down for you. In John Bogle, or Jack Bogle, goes by either John or Jack, Jack Bogle's book, he started Vanguard because he was he wanted a way for investors to have exposure to the stock market in a real simple and cost efficient way. So he started an index fund. It was a low cost solution, low cost mutual fund that would give an investor exposure to a certain benchmark like the S&P 500. Now that style of investing is called passive because You are purchasing an investment that you are not making a decision on what will be inside there, meaning like the individual stocks, nor are you making a decision on how much you will own of those individual stocks. It is simply mimicking that benchmark. So that's called passive investing. So my friend, he would portray himself to say, I'm a passive investor. And everything he had read, everything he believed in, the people he followed on Twitter, the podcasts that he listened to were people that were passive investors. And that isn't really what I gathered from the book. What I gathered from Jack Bogle's work was that, hey, costs matter. So if you're an investor, you have to be cost efficient, uh, and you shouldn't pay for something more than it's worth. Uh, There's this idea of value. But I wasn't convinced that there was such a thing as passive investing. And I challenged my friend to say, hey, you're actually an active investor. And let me tell you, I'll note you with this, is that if you call a passive investor an active investor, it is like the most offensive thing you could say. So this opened up a debate between him and I literally over the next couple of years uh, when I was working at Morgan Stanley, where we spend our lunch break talking about this and all. Um, and I was trying to convince him that everybody is an active investor. So in this podcast right now, I'm going to express to you why that is true. So let's go back to what passive investing is. It's this idea that you would just own the market, and that your own opinion and your own beliefs wouldn't influence your portfolio. So one thing I mentioned in the article is that if you were really going to be, by definition, a passive investor, you would own what's called the global market portfolio. Now, that terminology is kind of made up. I'm not saying it's a portfolio you can invest in. But what I'm saying is that a passive investor, by definition, would own... Everything, right? They would own Bitcoin and commodities and gold and uh, they would own stocks, domestic and foreign, and they would own them proportionally to the size of that compared to all other investments in the world. I haven't met anybody that owns that portfolio. So everybody that's expressing that they are a passive investor, like my friend, let me tell you what they actually do. My friend, he thought index funds were a great idea. Because it was a low-cost exposure to a benchmark that he wanted to invest in. And that's fine. But what did he do next? This is where he became active. He designed a portfolio. He decided how much he wanted to have in bonds. He decided how much he wanted to have in emerging markets. He decided how much he wanted to have in domestic equities. So he had an influence, an active influence on the portfolio in designing what it was. For him particularly, and I wrote about in the article, he really likes the work from uh, Eugene Fama and Kenneth French out of uh, Chicago and the studies that they did that actually won a Nobel Prize that looked at the academic work and the empirical evidence that would say that there is an opportunity to earn an above average return if you focus on small companies and focus on companies that what are called value companies, meaning that they have a a price for their stock that is more near to their intrinsic value measured by this thing called book value. I'm not going to get into the metrics, but this idea that small and value companies are an opportunity to get an outsized return. So when you looked at my friend's portfolio, he took a bunch of index funds to create the exposure, but he was hand-making and designing this portfolio that was expressing the strategy that Fama and French had done all this work on. So my argument or my debate, what I'm telling my friend is, hey, I understand that you you say you're a passive investor, but you're not. You're actively designing what you want your portfolio to look like. And guess what? That's okay. My pet peeve is that there are advisors and financial firms out there and they portray themselves as passive investors. And it annoys me because they put themselves out there like, Anybody else that doesn't do the same style of investing that they are is not enlightened and doesn't understand and that all the empirical evidence supports what they're doing and it's the only way to invest and they are passive investors and I want you to be equipped because you're going to run into a passive evangelizer and I want you to tell them that they absolutely are an active investor and if they don't believe you, most of these people sit at the work of Jack Bogle who, I, like I said, is an amazing person, but let me tell you about Jack Bogle. His son was the founder or he worked at a hedge fund. Jack Bogle had money in that hedge fund. That's not a passive strategy. Jack Bogle, Bogle when he was interviewed, described how his personal portfolio was allocated. He said he felt most comfortable with a portfolio of 50% stocks and 50% bonds. Is that the global market portfolio? No, it's not. It's, He might be expressing that with index funds, but that is not a passive investment strategy. He decided for him it was best fit to do a 50-50. So I understand that there's this cognitive dissonance out there where people might believe they're one thing. And I just want to tell you, it's okay to be an active investor. It's okay because guess what? You have dreams and goals and aspirations and things particular to you that need to be reflected in your portfolio. Your portfolio should be customized and tailored towards everything you want to accomplish. You've worked really hard to build up your nest egg and these resources that you have should be cared for and actively managed in a fashion that is best for your personal financial plan. So if you take anything away from this article, I just want you to know that all of us are active investors. And that's all I got for you today on thoughts on money. I hope you can rate the podcast and leave a comment And we'll see you next week where we'll invite Sean Latimer back on and we'll discuss a new topic.
1: performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.